60 minutes of insight and analysis on the Volunteers and Titans. Powered by the Outkick Network, this is the Tennessee Power Hour with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. The Tennessee Vols get it done. Welcome to the Tennessee Power Hour. We are served by Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey with Chad Withrow. I'm Jonathan Hutton. We're talking Vols, Titans, and more Vols this hour. What a game in Knoxville. Chad, congratulations. Your Vols get it done over Saban and the Tide. I appreciate it. And as we start to record this edition of Tennessee Power Hour, the ratings just came through television-wise for this game. Tennessee, Alabama, by more than a million viewers, is the most watched college football game of the season so far. We knew it going in. It had the most hype, and it over-delivered. 11.6 million viewers, according to sports TV ratings for Tennessee, Bama. We host this show from Nashville. We live in Middle Tennessee. This Tennessee-Alabama game outrated all but the playoff loss to the Bengals for the Titans last year and the regular season finale against the Texans. That is a monster number because most college football games will never outrate a Titans game in Nashville. And it it outrated all but two from a year ago. And by the end of the game, this is from your buddy and our buddy, Steve Lehman of Channel 5, by the end of that game in Nashville alone, 71% of televisions were on Tennessee and Alabama. So a large majority of people in the city of Nashville, not Knoxville, was watching Tennessee and Alabama. Hutton, our four eyes were upon Neyland Stadium live on Saturday, and it was a memory we will never forget. No doubt. It was the best college football game I've seen in person. Uh, And the moments throughout the game capped off by the kick at the end. Well, a missed kick, and then the drive and the kick at the end. We're going to hit all of it and, and so much more over the next three segments, talking Tennessee Vols, and then we'll get to the Titans, who take on the Indianapolis Colts on Sunday. All of our show presented by the Nelson Brothers, Nelson's uh, Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey. Get you some Greenbrier. And when we talk balls, we talk Regal Realty Group, Chad, and they are longtime friends of ours and longtime supporters of all things Tennessee. Absolutely. Hunter Briley and Richard Van Clive, they're going to do a terrific job for you. Hunter Briley, big Vols fan, he was in the stadium. He was in Knoxville on Saturday witnessing that epic win over Alabama. And we're pumped that our friends at Regal Realty Group have jumped on board to be a show sponsor. I've known Hunter and Richard for a long time. These guys and their agents at Regal Realty Group, it's really simple, the message they want to get out to everyone. They're good people, and they want to work with good people. We want to work with good people. We want to network with good people. So if you're looking to buy or sell your home, Regal Realty Group will help you from contract to closing and everything in between. Let them do the heavy lifting and make it easy for you. Hit them up at regalrg.com. It's going to be a memorable experience. Memories is going to be the theme of today's Tennessee Power Hour, Hutton. I jotted down just a list of 12, one through 12, top to bottom, the most memorable aspects of Tennessee versus Alabama. Uh, Let's kind of go through each of these. We're going to spend a good portion of the show. I figured this would be the best way to kind of go through the checklist of so many things to talk about after this win. Well, let's start with the atmosphere. Number one. The atmosphere at Neyland, for me, loudest stadium I've ever been in. You've been in Neyland so many times. You've been in stadiums across the SEC and across the NFL. What did you think of the atmosphere leading up to, during, and after the game? Well, the atmosphere for us started on Friday afternoon. We hosted OutKick 360 uh, from Cool Beans right next to campus in Knoxville. 
There was a great crowd throughout the show. And we're talking 3 p.m. on a Friday. Knoxville was packed. Hutton, it took us about 45 minutes to find a parking spot, not on game day, on the day before in mid-afternoon on a Friday and had to find a gravel lot to pay to park in and walk about four blocks over to Cool Beans. Campus was alive. The strip was alive. The town was ready for a big environment. Then you got college game day and all the pregame shows going live from Knoxville on Saturday morning. We got to campus early, went through some tailgates at Circle Park. There was an energy and a vibe around that stadium that I've not seen all that often. I was not there for the Florida game. I know that had a similar energy and vibe, but even people that were there were saying, look, this is far better for this Alabama game. Then we get to the game. We walk in 40 minutes early, 40 minutes before kickoff, I believe. And we had time to get in, sit in our seats, see that the stadium was packed. The stadium was so packed, the concession line was too long. We waited for concessions. I'm getting very nervous that we're going to miss the, the running through the tee, that I'm about ready to pay for everyone in front of me to get their hot dogs and water so we can go sit. But instead, a kind Vols fan in front of us who was also in a hurry decided to run his credit card for everyone so he could get his food and get back to his seats. That is the type of volume you had 40 minutes before kickoff for this game. And obviously, we're going to get into the aspects of the game. Did not disappoint. But the volume level from the very start of that game, starting with the pregame festivities, was through the roof. Number two, Jalen Hyatt, who was the number one wide receiver, not just for Tennessee. He was the number one wide receiver in the game for Alabama, Tennessee, the SEC, the country on Saturday. I don't even know if Jalen Hyatt drinks alcoholic beverages. But if he does, he will never have to pay for another one in Knoxville or the state of Tennessee again. <laughs> There's a couple of guys in this game like that. Absolutely. Look, he wrote his name into the Vol legend uh, on Saturday as a name that we will always remember, like Travis Stevens, like Travis Henry. Uh, go down the list. Buck Fitzgerald for batting away a pass against Florida to win a game. That was one play. Jalen Hyde had six catches for 207 yards and five touchdowns. He averaged over 34 yards per catch in this game. He was electric. He delivered on the promise he had as a freshman, as a highly rated recruit. Jalen Hyatt, uh, if, if I'm looking for just one individual player, that when you go back and say 2022 Tennessee-Bama, it will forever be the Jalen Hyatt game for me. So when I think back on this game and think of what happened on the field, it is wide receiver Jalen Hyatt and his impact on this game as he just went bananas against Alabama. Real quick, Chad, what was your favorite catch of the five touchdowns? It was the – I think it was late third, early fourth quarter. I don't have it in my notes right here. But the one that was right down the right sideline coming towards the south end zone where we were located, Hutton, where Hendon Hooker threw it on a line between a corner and a safety. Yeah. And we were yelling for Jalen Hyde to turn around <laughs> because he was doing such a good job of baiting the corner – not to look back, that he kind of turned his head at the last second, caught it, and then cut back up to the middle of the field and ran easy for a very long touchdown. That that was the most memorable. That was the most memorable throw and catch because that was on a line from Hendon Hooker that was perfectly uh, placed. That that was that was perfection. Number three, I think I know your favorite kick in the game, even though it wasn't the prettiest. I've watched this kick from every possible angle. And I'm going to send this to you right now, in fact, Todd. And there's one shot from the end zone from someone's camera that does look like it took it hit the tip of an Alabama player's middle finger. 
and that's why it knuckled the way that it did. But I still, t- I, it's it's like an optical illusion. I can't tell the way the ball comes off his foot. If it, it's not good off his foot, but then it gets worse as it's going. So Brad Nessler called it a knuckleball, and that's the effect that it had as, as it got close to the crossbar. But Chase McGrath's final kick, it will forever be an, an ugly kick. His kick looked like a Casey Clawson deep throw down the field, <laughs> which was always kind of a wobbly, never pretty spiral. But you know what it does? It gets to its intended target, and that's what Chase McGrath did. Somehow, some way, our vantage point, I thought the thing was going to fall short, but he got that thing over the crossbar. Not sure how – still not even sure if it was tipped or not. Got to ask the Alabama player if he felt something hit his, his glove, middle finger on that ball. But, man, oh, man, what a moment for a guy who badly hooked an extra point earlier in the game to have that opportunity to come back, kick a 40-yarder to beat Alabama, and he came through. As not pretty as it was, he found a way, and that ball found a way to get over the crossbar and send Knoxville into euphoria. We're going through the 12 most memorable aspects of Saturday's win over Alabama for the Tennessee Volunteers. Chad, number four, 45 yards in 13 seconds. So Hendon Hooker to Ramel Keaton on a deep in route for 18 yards. That was so important because that first play was going to decide whether or not Tennessee was going to have a chance to end that game in regulation. So to get 18 at that, at that spot, Tennessee was right around midfield, and I'm thinking, okay, there's nine seconds left. They took six seconds off the clock to get 18 yards. If the, Even if it's incomplete, you could put Joe Milton back in for a Hail Mary, and you got a chance to end the game on a Hail Mary. I'm having visions of Josh Dobbs to Jawan Jennings at Georgia in 2016 at that point. But instead, they then take nine seconds off the clock Sorry, seven seconds off the clock at that point after six in the first one to get 27 yards to Brew McCoy and then call timeout with two seconds left. That is the magic of Tennessee's offense. They did it a year ago against Kentucky where they got an insane amount of yards, and I want to say like eight seconds to set up an end-of-the-half field goal that I thought was impossible. This seemed impossible also, but there they were, Tennessee, attempting a 40-yard field goal with two seconds left to win the game. 52-49, Tennessee over Alabama this past weekend. We are recapping it with the 12 most memorable aspects from Saturday's victory, which had Withrow on Jonathan Hutton. This is the Tennessee Power Hour, served by Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey. From the hockey tonks to Rocky Top, the Tennessee Power Hour continues next. Cheers, Hunt. Cheers, Withrow. And cheers to brothers Andy and Charlie Nelson. After a chance encounter, they dedicated their lives to resurrecting the family business, Nelson's Greenbrier Distillery. And what they found is that whiskey runs in their blood. Made in Nashville, Tennessee, Greenbrier Tennessee whiskey is a taste of home with a real Nashville story. Head to greenbriardistillery.com for cocktail recipes and more info. Greenbrier Tennessee whiskey and Nelson Brothers bourbon now available throughout the great state of Tennessee. So ask for it at your favorite store. Get you some Greenbrier. Nelson's Greenbrier reminds you to drink responsibly. Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey, 45.5% alcohol by volume. Don't pay too much for your new Ford. Custom order it from Two Rivers Ford just outside Nashville. Two Rivers Ford is the premier volume Ford dealer in Tennessee. They've been locally owned since 1983, and they sell all their new non-specialty Fords at just 1% over invoice. That's right, 1% over invoice. They treat you right, and you'll always get the best price. I know because my family has been buying from them for years. 
So call Two Rivers Ford today at toll-free 800-900-1000. Hello, Tennessee Power Hour listeners. My name is Hunter Briley, and I am with Regal Realty Group. And my name is Richard Van Clive. I'm also with Regal Realty Group. And we are great friends that treat our clients like great friends, because that's how we want to be treated. We are also born and raised here in Middle Tennessee and support our local team. And with an economy that's affecting everything except the real estate market, it's important to do business with friends that can tell you what's what. From contract to closing, everything in between, we have you covered. Go to RegalRG.com to get started. And happy football season. Hey, it's Hutton. If you're in need of catering from big events to your weekend family gathering, my friends at Edley's Barbecue have you covered. They've been voted Nashville's best barbecue four years in a row, but I vouch for their Nashville-style barbecue far longer. From corporate meetings to box lunches to weddings, rehearsal dinners, and holiday gatherings, your neighborhood Edley's Barbecue location is where to turn. Edley's is a tribute to all things Southern and authentic to all things Tennessee. Nashville-style barbecue. Edley's Barbecue. Order at edleysbbq.com. From Nashville to Knoxville, Vols news and analysis on the Tennessee Power Hour. Tennessee Power Hour, served by Nelson's Greenbrier. Tennessee whiskey rolls on with Chad Withrow. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Tennessee over Bama this past weekend. We're going through the 12 most memorable aspects from an unforgettable day with the Vols, with the fans, Neyland Stadium, and everything that involved the party in Knoxville after the game. Chad, number five on our list. Let, actually, let's recap one through four. Number one, atmosphere. Number two, Jalen Hyatt, Chase McGrath's knuckleball field goal, number three, and 45 yards in 13 seconds is number four. On to number five, Bama's muffed punt disaster. And we were laughing in the stands because everything's going right for Tennessee to start this game. Alabama actually forces a punt, and then this happens. It felt like the turning point. It was definitely the turning point of the first half to yeah. get the ball to get it to a place where Tennessee was up eight at halftime, because that was the moment when they forced the punt. I'm thinking this is where Bam is either going to take an, a, a a small lead or get even with Tennessee by, by the half. Right? <clears throat> Instead, it's 21 to 10. Tennessee punts it, and I really hope for Quindarius Robinson's sake that he goes on to a great career not as a special teamer at Alabama and does other great things because as of now, he's going to be known as the guy that for whatever reason decided to down a punt on offense and Tennessee was Johnny on the spot and hits him as he touches the ball and knocks it free and Tennessee gets possession and goes down and scores another touchdown to make it 28 to 10. Now Bama erased that 18 point deficit and eventually tied the game at 28, but what a moment in the game. That was the time where you started to believe not only is Tennessee on fire right now, the way they came out of the gates with three touchdowns on three possessions, and then even after their first punt of the game, it was the moment where you thought, maybe Alabama's just not there. Maybe Alabama is frazzled. Maybe Alabama doesn't quite know what to do in this moment. They later gathered their footing and were much better in the game. But that was also the moment from Quindarius Robinson that set off Nick Saban into a fury that will be memed and gift and everything else for years to come of Saban asking, what are you doing? What the bleep are you doing to Quindarius Robinson when that play happened? That's exactly what every Alabama – I do not I do not blame Nick Saban at all. It's what every Alabama fan was thinking at the time. He just had the ability to say it to him. That was a big pivot point in that first half of the game. 
It was at that point, Chad, I thought we were going to see a rout. I mean, that's what you're alert, alluding to as well. But I'm thinking this this may be a blowout. And there is no doubt in my mind if Milrow has to play that game, that game ends up in being not just a muff punt disaster, a complete disaster for Alabama. But there was Bryce Young and there was Hendon Hooker. And what a quarterback battle we had where both guys were outstanding. So this is a total compliment to Bryce Young because the week leading up to this game, we talked a lot about it, Hutton. And my thought on the game was, if Milrow has to play, I think Tennessee wins a close game. If Bryce Young plays, I think Alabama wins a close game. But after watching Bryce Young's performance in this game, the gap between Bryce Young to Jalen Milrow is enormous. I was not giving either one of those guys enough credit on either end. I think Tennessee blows out Alabama the way they played. If they're a rushing attack, the way Tennessee can line up against the run as opposed to the pass, I think they win by 28 to 35 points the way they played on Saturday. But with Bryce Young and his ability to not just escape pressure and escape a sack, but to keep his eyes downfield and constantly make plays down the field for Alabama, what an X factor he was. He was terrific. That may be the best performance of his career so far, and he's already won a Heisman Trophy. And he lost this game and scored 49 points. Hendon Hooker on the other side, he threw the ball 22 times less than Bryce Young. 22 times less and still almost equaled him in yardage in that game. Was much more efficient, was better on the ground. He took off running more than Bryce Young. This was a quarterback duel for the ages. It's the rare one where the defending national runner-ups quarterback loses a game to a team where they were a 10-point favorite against and somehow that quarterback does not lose ground in the Heisman Trophy race because he was just so spectacular over the course of that game. Hendon Hooker, we talked about how Jalen Hyatt now is forever going to be a Vol legend. Hendon Hooker is going to end up right now on this pace, one of the top Tennessee quarterbacks of all time. He's going to be in a handful of maybe three guys. Uh, he may also become Tennessee's first ever Heisman Trophy winner. For all the story tradition of Tennessee, that is the biggest thing hanging over them. They've got national championships. They've got All-Americans. They've got SEC titles. They don't have a single Heisman Trophy in their trophy case. Hendon Hooker may end that this year. And he vaulted himself to number one on the list of Heisman Trophy candidates with that efficient performance. It was a standard Hendon Hooker performance. Efficient, explosive, effective on the ground, almost mistake-free. He did throw his first interception of the season in this game, so we need to make note of that. But Hooker was terrific. Bryce Young was outstanding. The quarterback battle did not disappoint at all. Hendon Hooker threw for 385 yards on 21 completions, 18.3 yards per completion, only nine incomplete passes. And of those nine, I would say seven were throws where the wide receiver was open and the pass was incomplete either because of a missed throw or it was just a miscommunication, bad route. But, you know, that means only two times did Hooker have anyone uh, that was just not there. That's how open these guys were. It was incredible. And Hooker was the, he was the horsepower for the entire offensive engine in what was an epic back and forth between Hooker and Bryce Young. This year, Chad, six games, he's been sacked nine times. That's it. And, and I, don't, I, don't, I don't think he felt pressure like mentally or physically in this game. No, he looked exactly the same. I mean, it really is impressive. I mean, look, he's going to go out there and start against UT Martin on Saturday. And I think he'll look exactly the same against UT Martin they did against Alabama. 
There's going to be no drop-off, no change in his demeanor in that game. They're going to go out there and try to score as many points as quickly as possible against them the same way they did against Bama. But you talked about that protection and him not getting sacked and not getting pressured. That goes into my seventh most memorable aspect of this game. Tennessee pushed Bama around on, on both fronts. Offensively, Darnell Wright earned him some money on Saturday at right tackle with his performance against Will Anderson, completely neutralizing someone who's thought of as the best player in college football. He might be. He might be the number one overall pick in this, this upcoming NFL draft. Terrific player. Darnell Wright neutralized him. Tennessee outrushed Bama in this game. They held up pretty well outside of a couple of just Jameer Gibbs really nice plays against Bama's run. They got more pressure on Alabama than they gave up with their offensive line. That, I think, is the biggest surprise. It's, it's not the biggest takeaway. It's, it's number seven on my list. But maybe the most shocking element of this game was that Tennessee had the better line play. I really thought on, on both sides. I didn't think that was going to be possible in this game. Tennessee's offensive line has now been great all year. We should just call them what they are, maybe the best offensive line in the SEC, especially after this, this Saturday's performance. But that was part of this, Hutton, that really surprised me. Yeah, and, I mean, Will Anderson and – He's a game wrecker. I didn't hear his name in the game. That's how remarkable it is. Yeah, we I saw uh, Brad Lampley, our, our good buddy, his son Jackson, who's an offensive lineman. He's on the field goal team, and he sent out a video of their celebration when the kick was good. And Brad Lampley said Will Anderson's name in that video. Uh, you know, maybe more than the PA announcer in <laughs> Neyland Stadium said it all day because he noted that Will Anderson was lined over his son. He said, Will Anderson is over Jackson. Watch this. And then the celebration ensues after that. That was shocking. That, that's not me knocking Will Anderson. That's a compliment to him because Darnell Wright completely manhandled him in this game. He had half a sack. And that half a sack, by the way, the one sack Bama got, complete coverage sack. That was not on the offensive line. That was the one time no one was open and Hooker held on to it and he got sacked. Jeremiah Crawford also had one heck of a moment in this game. Um <laughs> A puke and rally. Look, anytime you can mix in the phrase puke and rally in a football <laughs> game and not at a frat house, it's got to be a memorable moment. And, and this was one of them. And I'll make this brief because there could be people eating lunch or dinner right now listening to this episode of Tennessee Power Hour. Jeremiah Crawford relieves himself of his pregame meal and then is just looking at the Alabama defense and nods his head as if to say, yeah, I puke. So what? Who cares? <laughs> Let's go play some football. And then just rushes right back to the line, and Tennessee snaps the ball, and they play again. That performance from Jeremiah Crawford was indicative of Tennessee's offensive line performance, but also, Hutton, it was a show of just how much effort was put forth, not just by Tennessee, but by Alabama in this game. That was one of those fun war-type settings of a football game where you just know when it's done, nothing was left out, out there. Everything – that could have been done in that game, effort-wise, was expended on that football field on Saturday. Coming up, more Vols discussion as we discuss Heupel and what he's done so far. That will be mentioned in the final four aspects of the memorable plays and moments that was Tennessee and Alabama. This is the Tennessee Power Hour, served by Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey. The Tennessee Power Hour. Get Chad Withrow's breakdown of this week's big orange matchup next. 
Cheers, Hunt. Cheers, Withrow. And cheers to brothers Andy and Charlie Nelson. After a chance encounter, they dedicated their lives to resurrecting the family business, Nelson's Greenbrier Distillery. And what they found is that whiskey runs in their blood. Made in Nashville, Tennessee, Greenbrier Tennessee whiskey is a taste of home with a real Nashville story. Head to GreenbrierDistillery.com for cocktail recipes and more info. Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey and Nelson Brothers Bourbon now available throughout the great state of Tennessee. So ask for it at your favorite store. Get you some Greenbrier. Nelson's Greenbrier reminds you to drink responsibly. Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey, 45.5% alcohol by volume. Don't pay too much for your new Ford. Custom order it from Two Rivers Ford just outside Nashville. Two Rivers Ford is the premier volume Ford dealer in Tennessee. They've been locally owned since 1983, and they sell all their new non-specialty Fords at just 1% over invoice. That's right, 1% over invoice. They treat you right, and you'll always get the best price. I know because my family has been buying from them for years. So call Two Rivers Ford today at toll-free 800-900-1000. Hello, Tennessee Power Hour listeners. My name is Hunter Briley, and I am with Regal Realty Group. And my name is Richard Van Clive. I'm also with Regal Realty Group. And we are great friends that treat our clients like great friends, because that's how we want to be treated. We are also born and raised here in Middle Tennessee and support our local team. And with an economy that's affecting everything except the real estate market, it's important to do business with friends that can tell you what's what. From contract to closing, everything in between, we have you covered. Go to RegalRG.com to get started. And happy football season. Hey, it's Hutton. Get prepared for your next tailgate with my friends at Edley's Barbecue. You've got options. Wings in 25 or 50 count platters, smoke pulled pork, the best brisket, tender turkey, and scratch made sides family style. Edley's is perfect on game day or for take home. Edley's Barbecue smokes all meats low and slow and all sides are classic family recipes fresh every day. Edley's is a tribute to all things southern and authentic to all things Tennessee. Nashville style barbecue. Edley's Barbecue. Order at edleysbbq.com. This is the Tennessee Power Hour with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. The Tennessee Power Hour rolls on with Chad Withrow. I'm Jonathan Hutton. We are served by Nelson. Greenbrier, Tennessee whiskey. Chad, get you some Greenbrier. Let's go. Let's uh, let's get some cocktails going. Well, Hutton, I have me some Greenbrier. I always have Greenbrier around, you know, just in case. In case of emergency, break the glass and then get the Nelson's Greenbrier, Tennessee whiskey. So it's always in my home. But what I have found is that when sipping on Nelson's Greenbrier, Tennessee whiskey, it's good to have some great food around. So every time I hear about Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee whiskey, I start thinking about where I should go eat, which gets me thinking about delicious Tennessee barbecue. Oh, and, and when you think about that, I'm thinking Edley's barbecue. Mouthwatering. It's, it's, it's delicious. And, you know, all of our great sponsors and friends, they are authentic to Tennessee, and that is certainly what Edley's Barbecue is all about. Let me help you set up your next tailgate. Wings in 25 or 50 count platters, smoked pulled pork, the, the best brisket, tender turkey, scratch made sides, family style. So, so delicious. Edley's is perfect on game day and for take home. Edley's Barbecue smokes all meat slow and slow. Their sides are classic family recipes. And they're made fresh every day. They strive to serve the best food, and they prove it one plate at a time. Edley's has a neighborhood feel, a tribute to all things Southern, and authentic to all things Tennessee. Nashville-style barbecue, Edley's barbecue. Order at edleysbbq.com. Chad, we are rolling through 
the top 12 aspects that made this past Saturday at Neyland Stadium so special. And we've rolled through eight of those so far. Number nine on your list, a tale of two pass interference penalties. So Alabama fans have the audacity (laughs) to claim that officials took this game from them. Alabama fans, of all people, need to sit down and shut the hell up about officiating. They have benefited from officiating for years. They have won so many national championships under Nick Saban. This game had nothing to do with the officials. In fact, if anyone got screwed by the officials in this game, it was Tennessee on the pass interference. And I bring this up for this reason. The two most controversial – I'll throw in a third also. uh, The two most controversial calls in this game. Bama had 17 penalties. All of them were on their own accord. They can't complain about almost any of them. But the two I want to highlight are the two pass interference penalties. The one on Alabama was on a fourth down. It was Hendon Hooker trying to get away from pressure, throwing it down the field to Princeton Fan. There are multiple still photos of the Alabama player wrapping up Princeton Fant before he jumps to get the ball in the end zone and clearly interfering with him. Yeah. The ball gets batted around. Kool-Aid McKintry picks it off, almost runs it back for a touchdown. It ends up going the other way. Tennessee capitalizes and scores a touchdown. Now, the other pass interference penalty that I want to bring up was one that I believe it was third and goal from the 19. Bryce Young was the magician that he always is alludes two different sacks at one point. He's running right. He's running left. He eventually starts to roll left and then back right. And as he's about to get sacked again, he throws it up for grabs in the back of the end zone. And Deshaun Rucker gets called for a pass interference. Now, there were bodies going everywhere. There was some incidental contact. I don't think he was trying to grab the player. They ran into each other. Both One's trying to get the interception. One's trying to catch the ball. They call a pass interference on Tennessee. I had a far bigger problem with that on third and 19 where he's throwing the ball from, I think, the 27-yard line at that point, just a Hail Mary, than I did on the pass interference call on Bama. Now, where Bama fans may have a legit gripe, and I'm still not sure about the rule because it's called different, I feel like, in every game, is Amari Thomas on the targeting that was reviewed where he hits Bryce Young. Now, watching the replay, I thought they just sort of hit face mask to face mask. Yeah. But there was head-to-head contact by Amari Thomas on Bryce Young. I think it would have been a shame if a call that wasn't made on the field goes to review and Amari Thomas gets ejected from the game late in the second quarter, who's Tennessee's best defensive tackle, and they decided not to call it you know, a, a, a legal targeting on that play. So all in all, Bama fans committed a lot of penalties. That's a Bama problem. They lead the nation in penalties right now, so they got to clean that up. This game is not on the officials. Tennessee did not win because of the officiating in this game. Completely agree with you. And Tennessee was good enough to stick with it and go toe-to-toe with them and get the defensive stops. What else stopped in this in, in, in this rivalry? The, the Manning curse, Chad. Thank goodness we can put this behind us. Yeah, it's funny because uh, I was watching College Game Day on Saturday morning, and I, I knew they were not going to ask Peyton about it because I'm sure Peyton told them, do not talk to me about some curse about me attending games. But I think it was Kirk Herbstreit who said, I talked to Peyton, and he told me before this, said, yeah, people think I'm a curse. Well, the bottom line is I show up for some of the biggest games, and we haven't been very good in 15 years. Right. You're going to lose against the best opponents when you're not as good as those opponents, which I have told everyone. I said, it's not Peyton Manning. It's the fact that Tennessee is just not supposed to win 
these games, right? He hasn't been to many games where it's, oh, Tennessee should absolutely beat Georgia in this game that Peyton Manning's attending, or they should absolutely beat Florida in this game he's attending. And this is another one where when the game kicked off, they're a 10-point underdog. They weren't supposed to win this game with Bryce Young playing quarterback, but they did, and Peyton Manning was there, and he was all over the stadium, and every Tennessee fan within eyeshot of him took a picture of him and posted it online. So Peyton Manning was a big part of the storyline of this game, and I'm thrilled for him. I'm thrilled for Tennessee and their fans that we can shut up and stop talking about some stupid Peyton Manning curse and just welcome him back with open arms and never mention it again when he decides to attend a game in Knoxville. Not that people would ever say anything to Peyton Manning that wears orange, but you know what I mean. Let's stop the social media chatter and everything else. There is no Peyton Manning curse, and that was proven true on Saturday when Tennessee beat Alabama with Peyton Manning right there watching. Yeah, the curse is Jeremy Pruitt. Not Peyton Manning. <laughs> and Derek Dooley. Yeah. Uh, and Butch Jones getting overly emotional and worked up before big games. <laughs> I mean, if you want to talk about curses, Hutton, you hit the nail on the head. Let's go through the bad coaching hires that Tennessee had. A good buddy of mine, Jake Mingledorf, said this to me. He said, you know, there's nothing special about Bama. They just hired the right coach. <laughs> it's not their birthright to win every Tennessee-Alabama game. They're not that much better of a program than Tennessee deep down. They just got the right coach. If Tennessee lucked into Nick Saban, they would have seven national championships also. There's really no big difference. you got to get the coaching hire right. Alabama knows that as well as anyone because they got it right with Nick Saban. Number 11, Jeremy Banks played inspired on defense. It's important to note the history of Jeremy Banks and why I pointed him out on defense because Tennessee's defense gave up 49 points. But in a very weird way, I thought they played their tails off in this game and played pretty well. Jeremy Banks, a kid from Cordova High School in Memphis that decided to go to Tennessee, ends up playing for Jeremy Pruitt, ends up getting arrested early on in a very public arrest where he's saying dumb things to the cops. That's where Jeremy Pruitt is then. His phone call with the cops is released after that because of the dash cam footage and all, all of this, right? And Jeremy Banks talking to him. Um, Jeremy Banks stuck with it. He was a Jeremy Pruitt guy. Jeremy Pruitt went to bat for him. He was a Jeremy Pruitt-type player, a wrecking ball linebacker on defense. Josh Heupel comes in, offensive system, emphasis on offense. He stays with it. He is a Tennessee kid who saw some adversity by his own making, granted. I'm not saying this is some feel-good hallmark story, but by his own doing, but he stuck with it. He hasn't gotten in trouble since. And in his final year, he played inspired in that game. Six tackles. He hit Bryce Young hard three times in this game. And Tim Banks, the defensive coordinator, used him what he is, a wrecking ball, blitzed him over and over and over again. And I don't have to tell people that have played the game this. It, it takes a lot out of you when you're blitzing the quarterback on almost every play and trying to run through linemen at full speed and then a running back at full speed. And I'm watching Jeremy Banks in that game, and he popped every time with his effort and intensity and how hard he was playing. So full props to Jeremy Banks from correcting a mistake, building back, getting a good rapport with a new coaching staff, and playing his butt off and seeing that reward at the end of his career where he beats Bama at home in Knoxville as a Tennessean, is able to do that and then reap the reward of it. I'm super proud of Jeremy Banks in this game. Chad, finally, it feels like this is just the beginning for Josh Heupel and the Heupel era at Tennessee. So if you're looking in the 21st century at big wins for Tennessee, the other one that really comes to mind outside of this one was 2001 
9-11 year. They delay the Tennessee-Florida game to December. Tennessee goes to the swamp and wins 34-32. That was a huge moment for Tennessee football. You know it would have made it a lot bigger if they didn't lose in an upset to Nick Saban and LSU in the SEC championship game a week later. Because had they won that game, they would have played in the Rose Bowl for a second national championship in four years. And they had a great chance to beat that Miami team that won the national championship that year. I say all of this to say what's to follow. It's awesome right now with Josh Heupel. It's great. I don't think Tennessee needs to win a national championship this year for them to have a great season. But this can't be it. This is a building block. This can't be the end of the journey. This has to be a sign of more things to come. I believe it will be for, for Josh Heupel in this team. But what's next for Tennessee? How do they handle this success? And I'm not just talking about in the next couple of games or even the rest of the season. As a program, is this going to become more of a regular thing where you're a top 10 team preseason with high expectations, getting everyone's best shot, and winning more games like this over Alabama and the biggest opponents on your schedule? I believe it will be. All signs point to that. This is just year two for Josh Heupel. But let's see what's next for this program. And that's what's got to be on the mind of him and his coaching staff. And based on all of his comments this week, I know that it is. The Titans are coming off the bye, and they've got the Indianapolis Colts at Nissan Stadium on Sunday. We'll preview that matchup next on the Tennessee Power Hour, served by Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey. The Tennessee Power Hour. Get Jonathan Hutton's breakdown of this week's Titans matchup next. Cheers, Hut. Cheers, Withrow. And cheers to brothers Andy and Charlie Nelson. After a chance encounter, they dedicated their lives to resurrecting the family business, Nelson's Greenbrier Distillery. And what they found is that whiskey runs in their blood. Made in Nashville, Tennessee, Greenbrier Tennessee whiskey is a taste of home with a real Nashville story. Head to GreenbrierDistillery.com for cocktail recipes and more info. Greenbrier Tennessee whiskey and Nelson Brothers bourbon now available throughout the great state of Tennessee. So ask for it at your favorite store. Get you some Greenbrier. Nelson's Greenbrier reminds you to drink responsibly. Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey, 45.5% alcohol by volume. Don't pay too much for your new Ford. Custom order it from Two Rivers Ford just outside Nashville. Two Rivers Ford is the premier volume Ford dealer in Tennessee. They've been locally owned since 1983, and they sell all their new non-specialty Fords at just 1% over invoice. That's right, 1% over invoice. They treat you right, and you'll always get the best price. I know because my family has been buying from them for years. So call Two Rivers Ford today at toll-free 800-900-1000. Hello, Tennessee Power Hour listeners. My name is Hunter Briley, and I am with Regal Realty Group. And my name is Richard Van Clive. I'm also with Regal Realty Group. And we are great friends that treat our clients like great friends, because that's how we want to be treated. We are also born and raised here in Middle Tennessee and support our local team. And with an economy that's affecting everything except the real estate market, it's important to do business with friends that can tell you what's what. From contract to closing, everything in between, we have you covered. Go to RegalRG.com to get started. And happy football season. Hey, it's Hutton. Get prepared for your next tailgate with my friends at Edley's Barbecue. You've got options. Wings in 25 or 50 count platters, smoke pulled pork, the best brisket, tender turkey, and scratch made sides family style. Edley's is perfect on game day or for take home. Edley's Barbecue smokes all meats low and slow and all sides are classic family recipes, fresh every day. Edley's is a tribute to all things Southern and authentic to all things Tennessee. Nashville style barbecue, Edley's Barbecue. Order at edleysbbq.com.
This is the Tennessee Power Hour with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. We are back for the Tennessee Power Hour served up by Nelson's Greenbrier. Tennessee whiskey, get you some Greenbrier, get you some Vols and Titans talk every week with us. Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow. He's Jonathan Hutton. I'm Chad Withrow. I should say that because many of you are confused (laughs) as evidenced by people walking up to us all over the city of Knoxville and saying Hutton to me or Withrow to Hutton. I know it's confusing. It's fine. We take it as a compliment. You know who else will take it as a compliment if you do business with them? Two Rivers Ford. We're thankful for all of our sponsors on the Tennessee Power Hour, including Two Rivers Ford. Don't pay too much for your new Ford. Custom order it from Two Rivers Ford just outside Nashville in Mount Juliet. Two Rivers Ford is the premier volume Ford dealer in Tennessee. They've been locally owned since 1983, and they sell all their new non-specialty Fords at just 1% over invoice. That's right, 1% over invoice. They treat you right, and you'll always get the best price. I know because my family's been buying from Two Rivers for years. In fact, we just bought from them a month ago. So call Two Rivers Ford today at toll-free 800-900-1000. That's 800-900-1000. Hutton, how'd you like that Two Rivers Ford Explorer that we rode up to Knoxville in on Friday? Fantastic. You know, I, I drive an Explorer as well, uh, a much later model. And um, th- this one is has all the bells and whistles. You know, it still has that uh, new car smell, which is awesome. And, um, you know, thank you for letting me eat in it. Yeah, you're, you're welcome. Um, and also, you know me, I'm a big bells and whistles guy. So that's uh, we had to have all the bells and whistles on that on that vehicle. Hey, there, just real quick, I want, to, I want our listeners to know, there was a moment where you looked over your shoulder and laughed at me at a tailgate because I introduced myself as you to that's people. True. That So the, there was this one guy who thought I was you, and he introduced me to his group, and I extended my my hand and said chad withrow how are you instead of correcting you leaned into it and then spoke to them as me which i i appreciated that's yes. definitely my sense of humor i thought about doing it one time but the guy was talking about knowing your neighbor to me saying oh, yes. i know your neighbor and that's where i thought yeah i can't play this out because i don't know who your neighbor is i'm sure it's a great person um, you know, the Titans, his name's Mickey and he's awesome. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Mickey sounds, Mickey sounds amazing. So my Ford Explorer has all the bells and whistles. This Titans team is not really a bells and whistles type group, no. but Hutton, they've been winning. They've won three straight after an Owen two start. They're finding ways to get it done. They're trying to get it done against the Colts for a second time in a month. What's different about these, this Colts team and really this Titans team also from when these two met earlier in October. Well, from a Titans perspective, they're they're down trailing Burks, who wasn't making much of an impact anyway. The Colts, meanwhile, are are a bit different. A, a, a offense that is supercharged all of a sudden behind nearly 400 yards passing from Matt Ryan, and I, I I think that's huge for an offense in Indy that was missing Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines. That's why they won the game against Jacksonville this past Sunday. And with the way the Titans have been defending the pass, I'm, you know, I, I'm thinking things could get crazy, especially if they're going to go at Caleb Farley and, and others there. And we don't know the full extent of the injury report on Taylor, but Naheem Hines is coming in and out of concussion protocol. So they're, they're going to have other issues in the backfield still. And Matt Ryan got protection and he, he did well. He threw the ball nearly 60 times in that game against Jacksonville. And the Jags had no sacks on him. And that's after week one where they beat the guy up. So I I think this is a different look from a Colts team that scored 29 points on their final 
five possessions of that game. We didn't see that the last time the Titans faced them early in October. Definitely in a weird way, a short amount of time between the two games, but a different feeling with both these teams coming into this game. And Hunt, I mentioned it before, it's not pretty, it's not fancy, but the Titans are winning games close this season. Why is this Titans team winning games close? How are they able to make this happen? Well, they've been opportunistic, and they found big stops in the critical moments of these wins. Uh, and, and while the offense is not anywhere close to how we would describe it in 2020 or at some points last year even, um, this is a defense that is able to win in the moments that truly matter. Late in the fourth quarter in each of their last three wins that you referenced earlier, the opposing offense has had a chance to either tie the game or win the game at some point late in the fourth, and the Titans have found a stop. That's why they're winning currently the way that this team is playing. And you're looking around going, is this team good or, you know, where are they? And I think they're a lot like the rest of the NFL right now. 22 of the 32 teams have three wins or less, and the Titans are one of them. The Colts are saying with, with what they've done recently, they're also in the mix. And they have to continue to play like this until they can figure out the passing game. No doubt about it. Um, the Titans got to improve, right? If, if you're, it's not going to, you can't continue down this path and expect to win every game like this that comes down to the wire in a, in a tight situation. Um, if they're going to remain atop the division, Hutton, what must they improve to ensure they continue winning some of these close games? Yeah, I don't think they can improve much on their team speed, right? Or their, their, wide receiver talent, which I don't think is very good. What they have to be able to do is lean on their identity late in games. And it, that that part's a bit odd from what we have not seen. They, they play tough, physical, trench work football. And looking at the numbers, they have not been good at that in the second half, where traditionally that's usually where Henry and the offensive line pick up and start steamrolling a bit. So I think that's the area. Henry – at one point, 18 carries for 24 yards, 34 yards in the fourth quarter total. Um, I'm, I'm saying for the season, not in a game. <laughs> so they, they've got to get some bulk carries going in their backfield and be able to grind out some games because there are going to be weeks where their defense is going to allow more than seven points in the second half. And that's where the offense needs to be able to turn around and give it to their $14 million running back and say, hey, let's let's get a drive going here instead of, hey, uh, the defense will pick us up when we go three and out. Yeah, no, no, no doubt that the offense has to improve. The question then becomes, where can they improve with the personnel that they have? To do some of that, they're going to need some help from some injured guys. You mentioned Traylon Burks was a small factor, but at least a factor in the first game against the Colts. He was available. He's not going to be available in this game. But Hutton, are the Titans getting any help from any other players that are currently injured? Well, I mean, on defense, yes. Um, Amani Hooker has a chance to play this week. He's coming out of protocol, and that the bye week certainly helped him there. That's good for their secondary. Bud Dupree should also have a chance to play this week, and that's also a big key because they've got to get pressure on Matt Ryan and you know create, create some hits on him at least for, for the guy who doesn't move around very often. Don't give him time in the pocket. Monty Rice has started the season on – on PUP, he has a chance to return now. He's eligible for that. Um, it's just a matter of time before we see him in on special teams at an inside linebacker. But, yeah, Traylon Burks has at least two more weeks left, and then he's eligible to play again with the turf toe because he's on injured reserve. They can recall him after two more games. 
And Racy McMath, it doesn't sound like is going to be available this week. At least that's what Vrabel told us earlier this week. But I think he's he has a chance to be available in a couple of weeks. So, yeah, it's 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 the run game. It's the offensive line staying healthy. And it's Ryan Tannehill not making the crucial errors, which he has not done to this point. By the way, if, you, if anyone that's listening is going to be at the Titans-Colts game on Sunday, Jonathan Hutton and myself will be live with the NFL postgame show on 102.5 The Game uh, starting at 4 p.m. Sunday afternoon after the game. We're going to be live at Landshark Bar and Sportsbook on Broadway above Margaritaville. So come see us, hang out with us postgame if you're in town for the game on Sunday. Chad, Nashville's getting a dome. That's right. They um, are. I, I can't wait to see what this downtown footprint across the river will look like because on the East Bank, that was going to be you know developed. At least that was the big plan picture into more of a an atmosphere outside of game day only. Yeah, And I think the Dome brings that, and not just for game day, but year-round. I'm all for it. I love the, the, the idea that Nashville is going to host major events, and this is going to be a great stadium for football, even though I'm partial to outdoor, open-air, grass, uh, and I realize this is going to be turf. I'm all for it, given the fact that I think, speaking of bells and whistles, this is going to be a stadium you're going to want to attend to catch a football game, a concert, uh, a big sporting event. I think it's great for the city and, and events that will come and then everything around it, the infrastructure of it will be cool. Uh, I think it's it's bad for football, and we'll get into that for some of the similar reasons you just mentioned. Uh, but in, in our next edition of Power Hour, we're going to have Hutton. we got 30 seconds. Let's give some predictions. Titans, Colts on Sunday. I think the Titans are better coached, but right now I think the Colts have their offense churning and I'm taking the Colts by a field goal. I'm going to go 27-24 Colts in this game. I don't think the Titans are scoring more than 24 points on anyone this season until proven otherwise, so I'm with you. I think Colts get revenge in this game. And we are out of time for this week's edition of Tennessee Power Hour, always served up by Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey. Get you some Greenbrier. Get you some more of this show next week with the return of Tennessee Power Hour.